Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Sports Media Watch podcast. This is John Lewis going solo today. Drew Lerner is off this week, but we still have a lot of stuff to discuss. But before we get into the topics of the day... Don't forget, if you have not already, please subscribe to the SMW podcast feed on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's start this week with the news that came out just before I started taping this evening, which is uh, Game 7 of the American League Championship Series. Monday night did not do very well. It was 6.77 million viewers on Fox. That's uh, the lowest LCS Game 7 audience outside of the bubble on record. And obviously, Monday Night Football played a big role. Vikings-Eagles, 18 million viewers. What does it all mean? Well, not much more than we already knew. Uh, We already knew that baseball has been lapped by football, and uh, it's no longer a competition between those two sports, unless there's extenuating circumstances, like the Cubs winning the World Series or the Dodgers being in a really good World Series against Houston. Uh, Those kinds of circumstances are not going to happen every year. For baseball in general, if you're going up against football, you're going to get smoked. And that's what we saw last night. Uh, and uh, it's hard to believe there was a time when baseball would send the NFL running, but there was. There was a time when Sunday night football would not run during the first weekend of the World Series to minimize that head-to-head competition. There was a time when the LCS could beat Sunday night football head-to-head. Those days are done. A lot of the discussion about baseball gets to a space that I don't think is very accurate because people go, oh, well, baseball's dying or baseball's dead. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Baseball does quite well. It is still the uh, second sport in terms of revenue behind the NFL. And uh, the ratings are perfectly fine. The World Series, if the Phillies get in there and it's a long series, World Series has a good shot of of matching or surpassing the NBA Finals for a third time in four years. And there's a little bit of a caveat there because the NBA Finals is out of season for two of those years. But, uh, you know, baseball's at least close to the NBA. So baseball's not dying and baseball's not dead. But baseball is definitely not what it used to be, because I think a lot of us are old enough to remember when it wasn't just the NFL that would go running, TV would go running. When you had the, the Red Sox and Yankees in those league championship series in 2003 and 04, the networks would take their episodes off the air. They'd put in reruns. You'd have reruns of Friends, right? I'm not talking about reruns of Welcome to Flash here. I'm talking about Friends and Frasier, like the big shows that got big audiences back then. They would go dark during series like that because baseball was that big of a draw. That version of baseball, we saw it come back when the Cubs won the World Series, but you're not going to see that version of baseball again, I don't think, outside of well, I don't even know what other extenuating circumstances left, not that the Cubs have won at all. That doesn't mean baseball's dying. It doesn't mean baseball's dead. It doesn't mean baseball can't compete with the NBA and isn't bigger than hockey. It just means that baseball at a time in this country's history, a recent time, was a sport that was 
the equal of the NFL. And now it is definitely not, as we saw last night. So just another just another reminder to that effect, those numbers for Game 7. Other interesting ratings news from the weekend. We don't typically talk a lot of women's college volleyball on this podcast, but something I've never seen before, not sure if it's ever happened before, but uh, the Wisconsin-Nebraska women's college volleyball match on Big Ten Network Saturday night had more viewers than its college football lead-in. And not only did it beat its college football lead-in, that college football game also included Nebraska. So Nebraska played football, and it led into Nebraska playing volleyball. And Nebraska playing volleyball had the larger TV audience. I mean, that is a milestone for that sport. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about women's sports. Um, you know, I, I get the sense that some people view it as a little bit of wish casting, right? People kind of putting the cart before the horse. But there's real growth here. When you can get 600,000 viewers on Big Ten Network on a college football Saturday, that's not a small thing. That is uh, pretty significant. And next week, college volleyball, big box on an NFL Sunday with an NFL lead-in. That's going to be seven figures. It's going to be a record. Well, you can't talk about sports ratings without talking about the big dogs. That'd be pro and college football. Another great weekend for the college game. Nearly 10 million viewers for Penn State, Ohio State the fifth game this season to average at least 9 million. It's been a tremendous season for college football. Even Tennessee, Alabama, 8 million. That was down from last year, well over 11 million for a, a much higher profile matchup. But given neither team was in the top 10, I know it's Alabama. They're a playoff contender, obviously. Neither team was in the top 10, still 8 million viewers for the SEC on CBS. These numbers are pretty spectacular. Uh, the reality is some of that's going to be influenced by out-of-home viewing obviously, uh, but we had out-of-home viewing last year, and it wasn't like this. Uh, NFL also doing well. Monday Night Football continues to benefit tremendously from the ABC simulcasts. 18.6 million viewers yesterday for the 2-4 and four Vikings against the 49ers, and that was with the ALCS Game 7 as competition, so who knows how much better that would have been. These games would be doing okay, I'm sure, if they were just on ESPN, but ABC is clearly making the difference. According to Sports TV ratings last night, 10 million viewers on ABC alone. ABC, again, leading the way out of the three-network presentation. So uh, I don't know how they put Monday Night Football back on ESPN alone next year. I mean, I know they will because, obviously, you know, it's pretty important for ESPN to have that exclusivity. But it's going to be difficult to see how you part ways with these kinds of numbers. These ratings have been phenomenal for ABC and ESPN this season. Uh, and uh, to me, if you're if you want to maximize your ratings, you're on ABC every week. Some other numbers from the weekend. How about the U.S. Grand Prix Formula One, least watched in three years? Uh, it did top the million viewer mark. The number on the site is for the full telecast, but the number for uh, the race itself was 1.17 million viewers. Now that's not bad, but last year was 1.34 million, and two years ago was 1.41 million. So. You can see the trend is not great for that race. There's been some discussion as to whether or not the domination by Max Verstappen is starting to hurt the ratings, and maybe it is. Maybe it is. Uh, F1 did beat NASCAR in the key demos, which, let's be real at this point, we know that F1 skews young, and NASCAR certainly does not. Let's dig into that, though, uh, the, the key demographics for NASCAR and F1 on Sunday. F1 was 173,000 viewers in adults 18 to 34, NASCAR was 142,000. 
F1 was 424,000 in 1849. NASCAR was 339,000. That's a big gap. Uh, and uh, obviously, NASCAR is going to get its money. NASCAR has value. But even at a three-year low, F1's demos are something that I think are enviable if you're a NASCAR. One more thing on the rating side. So I talked before about the fact that volleyball is going to be on Fox this weekend with the NFL lead-in. Yet again, a lower-tier sport got to seven figures in viewership with that NFL lead-in this past weekend. It was professional bowling this time around. 1.2 million viewers for the PBA Strike Derby following the single-header on Fox. This window, this 4.45 or so window on Fox or CBS every week, if you are a small-tier sport, you've got to get into that window. It's imperative. Uh, one of the reasons why I think the WNBA should seriously consider giving a, uh, giving CBS some finals games to take advantage of that four o'clock window on single header Sundays. It's so valuable. You get some big numbers there. Now, does it actually help you down the line to get one big number and then none of the people who were watching end up watching it after the fact? Because realistically, you know, bowling got 1.2 million viewers this week. How many of those folks are going to watch again? Probably not a lot. Same thing with the bull riding, you know, 1.8, 1.9, 1.4 million. You take the NFL out of the equation, how many people are watching it? But if you want a really big audience really fast, that's the best way to get it, to get that NFL lead in. It's one of the reasons why, going back to baseball, kind of circling back to where the discussion started, the most watched game of the Rangers Astros series was game one. That was the one that had an NFL lead in. It was over 7 million viewers. If you have to play a game opposite the NFL, far better to do so uh, with a lead in than without one. And that's the difference between game one getting 7 million and game seven not getting 7 million. Let's shift gears now and talk about some media rights news that broke over the past week. We'll start with the NBA and then go to baseball. So the Wall Street Journal reported last week that ESPN and TNT were exploring whether or not to pursue smaller deals in their next negotiations with the NBA. Now, that's notable because even though we've all assumed that TNT would have to either reduce or maybe even lose the NBA altogether, ESPN has given no indication that it plans to have a smaller piece of the NBA pie. So this is definitely not in keeping with what the reporting has been so far. And if the NBA finds itself in a position where it's two incumbents who are currently paying a combined $2.7 billion a year want less inventory and presumably either to pay less or to have a relatively modest increase in rights, that's not going to be good for the league. The other side of that is the front office sports report from last week that talked mostly about Amazon and its interest in the NBA, but also had this nugget, which is that the NBA could go with as many as five partners in its next deal. Specifically, the, the front office sports piece said three to five. But so far, we've only ever really heard the number three bandied about, ESPN, Turner, and another partner. This is the first time that we've heard that it might be another partner and another partner and another partner. And so for the NBA, if you're going to be either taking less from ESPN and Turner or just getting a small increase from ESPN and Turner, if you still want to double and triple your rights fees, you might have to go to that five partner level. So that might be Amazon as your third partner. It might be NBC coming in as a fourth partner. Do I think that Amazon and Apple could get the NBA? No, I really don't. Because obviously at that point, there's not enough inventory to go around 
to make it worth Amazon and Apple's while, because I don't think they're going in just for a piece. Now, granted, the other side of that is Apple is the fifth partner in baseball. Baseball has five partners, Fox, TBS, ESPN, Peacock, and Apple. And it, Apple seems perfectly fine just having a Friday night game of the week. I think there's been an assumption that they'd want to go big like they have with MLS. Maybe they'll be satisfied with a, a small game of the week. Who knows? Um, but I think if Amazon gets in there, I, I, I have a hard time envisioning Amazon and Apple coexisting on the same property. I feel like just Amazon getting in there would make it very notable if Apple also got in, but at a very small level. If Amazon is doing, you know, Thursday night football for the NBA and Apple is just, you know, bringing in, hey, here's a couple of Friday games. Here's here's the Hornets versus the Hawks or something. I don't know. I mean, it, it, that's something that I, I, I just can't see it. So I think it'd be a splitting of the difference. I think it'll be four. I think ESPN and Turner and NBC and Amazon. So the way that I see it is if ESPN and Turner are wanting to scale back their rights, well, for Turner, that's going to be relatively easy to do because I don't think Turner needs to have two nights a week as it is. You know, they, they, they've had a difficult time figuring out how to handle that second week of doubleheaders uh, come January. They tried players only for years. They have their secondary team now with Adam Lefko, Candace Parker. I mean, they really only need one night a week. So TNT's one night a week. That's relatively easy to scale back. If you were to scale back ESPN's part of the NBA, well, that would probably mean scaling back the ABC portion because obviously ESPN prioritizes ESPN and not ABC. So if you scale back the ABC portion, what happens to the NBA finals? Because ESPN has said, Burke Magnus has said that the NBA finals is a must have. If I'm the NBA and ESPN is like, well, we want to pay less. We want to scale things back, but you know, we still want to keep the finals. I don't know if I'm going along with that. If I'm Adam Silver, if you're going to be paying us less money or even just giving us a modest increase, what is our incentive to allow you to keep airing our biggest annual event as opposed to shopping that around and seeing what we can get for it? Even if you keep a piece of it every other year, we might want to bring in another partner for that. So I don't know. I mean, that's going to be interesting. If ESPN really wants to dial things back, I don't know how they keep the finals. I mean, it would just be totally unwise as a league at that point. Um, we've seen, by the way, with baseball, what happens when ESPN scales back. Now, it's hard to imagine there's any circumstance where ESPN would suddenly stop talking about the NBA as much. But with baseball, that scaling back has been accompanied by the sport basically disappearing from the network. It was already kind of on its last legs there. But, you know, ESPN barely covers baseball as much as it covers hockey. And frankly, I think ESPN's putting a lot more effort into hockey right now than into baseball. So, you know, to me, if you're going to be scaling back, well, then the finals is in play. Because one, any deal we do, if I'm the NBA, with NBC, they're going to want the finals too. You know, so... If ESPN is going to scale back, that's a great opportunity for the league to spread the wealth a little bit. You have two kind of maybe co-A partners willing to pay combined more than what you'd have gotten from one. Uh, if ESPN is going to be scaling things back, I'm going to want to use the finals to get a little bit more out of, say, an NBC. 
so I, I don't know how ESPN wanting to scale things back coheres with the idea that the NBA finals were a must have. I think ESPN maybe Wednesdays and Fridays, TNT on Tuesdays, NBC on weekends, and then Amazon on Thursdays. You know, that that could be how that works out. Uh, but the NBA is going to need more than three partners to get the money it wants. I think that's clear because the industry is shifting a little bit. And of course, you know, you'll go broke betting against the leagues making their money. You will. But I definitely think that things are not as free and easy as they were even just 12 months ago. And so I think the NBA will need the, I think the NBA will get its money, but it's going to have to get creative. It's going to have to get really creative. You're going to have to figure out, well, okay, how much inventory do we actually have here? The local rights are going to be a big deal because if you can get to a point where you, you know, and that was included in the Wall Street Journal report, the idea that the NBA would want to sell the local rights uh, as well. If you can actually get the local rights league-wide and package them with the national rights for an Amazon or an Apple, that's a game, well, let me not use one of the most obnoxious terms in the English language. So I'm, I'm not going to say game changer, but that certainly does, well, change the game. Let's be real about it. Uh, that would be a big deal. Now, how can the NBA get those local rights? Everyone talks about Diamond Sports. Diamond Sports has half of the NBA rights. 15 teams in the NBA are not with Diamond Sports. So how do you get the local rights to those teams? Um, so I don't know how the NBA expects to package the local rights because, you know, Diamond Sports is a unique situation. It is also true that there are RSNs that the, the NBA teams have acquired uh, or NBA owners have. In Houston, the, the, the Rockets now own a piece of uh, the former AT&T Sportsnet RSN. The, uh, Ted Leonsis owns the Monumental Sports Network. Uh, so maybe having team owners kind of involved now in owning some of these RSNs and obviously uh, James Dolan, et cetera, but there's still the NBC Sports RSNs. There's been no indication that those are going to go away in the you know immediate future. Um, there's still you know Spectrum Sportsnet. There's still Root Sports. I mean, it's doable, but I feel like I want to read a little bit more about what the NBA strategy is on getting all of the local rights, not just the Diamond Sports ones, before I start thinking about those rights being packaged uh, in a potential Amazon deal. All in all, signs to me point to this being a very complex deal. It's not going to be easy. The NBA was able to triple its rights fees the last time without changing anything, which is an incredible feat. The NBA basically said, we're going to let you keep all that you have. We're not going to give you much else more, but you're going to pay us three times as much as you're currently paying us. And ESPN and Turner said, yeah, happily. That's not going to happen this time. For the NBA to get two or three X, it's going to have to get really creative, carve out new rights, and give up a little bit of leverage here. Um, you know, I mean, they don't, I don't think they have to necessarily break the emergency glass and, and give up everything. But it's going to be a, a, they're going to have to give up some goodies. Local rights are a goodie, right? Local rights are a goodie. I don't really know what else, though. I mean, just more regular season games. Obviously, if the local rights become something that the league is selling itself rather than the team selling them, then you don't necessarily have to worry as much about having too many national games. Um, 
but then again, yeah, you do because Amazon is not going to want too many national games if they're paying for local rights. Actually, it's the opposite. Amazon is probably going to be, hey, you know, does ESPN need to have, you know, uh, this many more games? I mean, the, the, the whole issue of making sure that the national TV schedule does not overwhelm the local TV schedule might become even more of a factor with Amazon or Apple owning those rights. So who knows? I, I do think the NBA will get its money, but it's got it's got its work cut out for it. It's not going to be the free and easy 2014, hey, you know, this deal is going to be exactly the same as before, but you're going to pay us three times as much. That's just not going to happen. Now, the other rights fee story that was interesting came out of the New York Post this week. This was Andrew Marchand reporting that ESPN and Major League Baseball have a mutual opt-out after the 2025 season. And uh, basically, this article is saying, hey, 2025, that's the year the NBA's new deal starts. College football playoff will be starting the year after that. If ESPN needs some extra money, and they're going to, I mean, goodbye baseball, right? Baseball right now, ESPN's paying about half a billion dollars a year for it. ESPN has no investment in baseball, really. I don't care. I really genuinely do not care that Jimmy Pitaro watches Yes Network when, when he's at home. And he has Yes Network on in the background. ESPN's relationship with baseball is not determined by what Jimmy Pitaro does in his spare time. It's determined by what you see on ESPN. ESPN used to air Baseball Tonight every night at 10 o'clock. Every single night, year-round, they would air Baseball Tonight at 10 o'clock. Didn't matter what else was going on, right? It was either on ESPN or ESPN2. And you know what they would do? They would air baseball tonight at 10, then Sports Center at 11, and then they'd air baseball tonight again at midnight. All right? I mean, I might have that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what they used to do. ESPN was MLB Network. It was the sport they cared about the most. It was obvious to everybody. They cared more about baseball than they did about the NFL, much less the NBA. When ESPN aired its first NBA Finals game in 2003, they aired a two-hour Sports Center special that day about Sammy Sosa's corked bat. They didn't air any Sports Center specials about the NBA Finals, right? Uh, the relationship that ESPN had with baseball at that time was beyond what ESPN has right now with the NBA and is only behind ESPN's current relationship with the NFL. I mean, ESPN and the NFL right now, it's, it's ridiculous. But that's what baseball used to be. And of course, you add to that the Wednesday and Monday night games, Sunday night baseball. They had, a, they had a package of day games back then too. Like every now and again, it'd be a day game with Gary Thorne, right? That tonnage is all but gone already. They're down to one game a week, the Sunday night game. Maybe in the dead of summer when nothing else is on, an occasional weeknight game. And then the wild card playoffs, which is three days. It's three days. You know, it's a round of playoffs. It's a three-day round of playoffs. There's no real interest there. You can tell. You can feel it. You know? I definitely think that ESPN giving up baseball so that it could re-up with college football and the NBA, which mean, mean much more to the network, that just makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, and it would be good for baseball. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but... You know, you can't have one of your top partners holding you at arm's length. If you're baseball, don't you want to have a partner that's all in, where you are an important part of the network? Like, 
think about what ESPN is doing right now with hockey. Hockey is at a very interesting point. Um, I think this season has started really strong for hockey. The ratings have been really good. They're not as good as baseball's ratings, but the, you know they've been really good. There's a trajectory that is upward. Baseball at best is at a plateau. Hockey's trajectory is going up. Connor Bedard going to Chicago, big factor in that. And tonight, I'm taping on a Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's 6.55 in the East. ESPN's already on the air with hockey. It's a triple header today. Three games on ESPN, and then on ESPN2, they have the red zone for hockey. Now, of course, this is just counter-programming, right? The NLCS is on a game seven, and the NBA is on opening night, and ESPN has neither of those events. So really, this is counter-programming. But ESPN didn't have to do this. Their contract with the NHL has 10 games on ESPN and 15 games on ABC. You know how many times ESPN has done the bare minimum number of games with the NBA? More often than not. Now, obviously, this year they're, they're, they're doing 24, which is uh, 24 on ABC, which is way over the 15-game the minimum. But, you know, for the most part, they, they don't go over the minimum if they don't have to. And they're going way over the minimum with hockey this year, way over. And they're doing events with hockey. They're getting creative with hockey. There's people trying to put together, like, event programming with hockey. When was the last time ESPN did an event-type deal with baseball maybe when they put sunday night baseball on, on abc that one that one night during the uh, uh the olympics two years ago for the most part they kind of just sit back and do what the contract says and that's it there's not a lot of real investment not a lot of creativity you know um it's it's very much at a lull uh and i mean what is the point of espn continuing if you're baseball, you want to go with somebody who is excited to have you and has creative ideas. Where is baseball going to get $500 million? It's not an enormous sum of money. It's not a small amount of money. It's not an enormous, it's not an enormous sum of money. I, I think maybe if baseball is willing, how about Nexstar? You know, the CW to me, to be the place where Sunday Night Baseball airs would be very intriguing. I don't believe that the CW is... I think it's obvious that people will find the CW if they need to. 778,000 viewers watched Virginia upset North Carolina on Saturday on the CW. Nearly a million. And that's not a game people had their eye on at the start of the weekend, right? So to me, people will find their way to the CW if there is something to find. It is an over-the-air broadcast network, and it's not ION. It's not ION. ION is a network that maybe when they were PACs, they had original programming. To me, the difference between the CW and ION is that the CW actually had shows. ION is a lot closer to my network TV, uh, where they just hear reruns. So people have had reason to go seek out the CW over the years. And I, I think it's not Big Four or anything, but I think you can get I would expect that if, if Sunday Night Baseball were on the CW some, some year in the future, the numbers wouldn't be that far off from where they are in ESPN. That's my expectation. Uh, and maybe they'd be maybe even better because it's on over-the-year broadcast TV, although eh, probably not. Uh, I think if you're baseball, maybe that's a place to go. I would say I, I would lean toward broadcast TV for that over Apple or Amazon. I, I think broadcast TV 
needs a little love here if you're baseball. There's not enough games on broadcast. There's not enough playoff games on broadcast. Uh, and uh, that's the direction I would go in. But of course, anyone who listens to my podcast or reads my work knows that I'm a big proponent of broadcast television. But all in all, no matter who were to get the ESPN games, I do think that the ESPN baseball relationship has run its course. It's a lot like the relationship ESPN had with hockey in about 2004 or so. And I, by the way, if ESPN gives up baseball rights, that's going to go into the deep freeze there. It's going to go into the deep freeze like hockey did. I, I think that is the inevitability for ESPN and baseball is where they have one baseball analyst. Maybe they send Carl Ravitch and I don't know. I don't know who would be the one left over. Maybe Eduardo Perez. They send them to the, the World Series, do a couple of segments, right? But they don't really actually put any investment in it. They don't actually have any interest in it. And the irony would, of course, be my expectation is that ESPN will not have that happen with hockey. I think hockey is in a very interesting spot right now where it seems to be a growth property. So how about this? And this is a complete 180 from the mid-2000s. ESPN gives up baseball and totally ignores it while building up hockey and making more event programming with it and making it a centerpiece of its lineup. That would be quite the turnaround from those days. But I, I do think there's better than even odds of that happening. All right, let's uh, wrap up with a little bit more discussion. Uh, Austin Rivers is joining ESPN as an NBA analyst, and they'll have Austin and Doc Rivers working games together at some point this season. Uh, the social media response to Austin Rivers hiring was not positive, but, you know, social media, whatever, who cares? Who cares? Social media at this point, we all know it's going to be uh, negative. I have no sense of Austin Rivers' personality. I, In my view, he looks like he's about 26 years old, so I didn't realize that he was already out of the league. Um. I grew up watching Doc Rivers. Um, uh, the way that you can tell someone is old is if they watched Doc Rivers play, and I did. Uh, I, my first memory of Doc Rivers is as a player, uh, and then as a TV analyst, and then as a coach. You know, that's a relationship as a viewer that's pretty set. Austin Rivers, you know, he kind of just came into the league five minutes ago, and now all of a sudden he's already out of it. And I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure I've ever heard him speak before. So it's going to be an interesting adjustment. I definitely know Doc. I don't really know Austin. Having the father and son do a game together, you know, everyone forgets Stan Van Gundy worked for ESPN for about a year, and he actually did a game with Jeff. So it's not, it's not unprecedented uh, at ESPN to do that. I don't know what the response will be to that. I'm sure the social media response will be negative, as it is with everything. All right. Um, so Austin Rivers joining ESPN. Andre Iguodala also joining ESPN. One of the most intriguing players in the league. He's definitely somebody who speaks his mind. Uh, Mr. Group Economics. I think he's going to be uh, a provocative analyst. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing him. I think a lot of those Warriors are going to end up in TV. Obviously, Draymond's already in TV. Clay, I think, will end up in TV. And Steph will end up like Peyton Manning. I don't know who'll do traditional TV, but he'll be doing a lot of TV. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, uh, Andre is the first one. And of course, Steve Kerr, when the time is right, he'll do exactly what Doc is doing now. He'll go right back to the number one job, uh, whether at TNT or wherever. He'll go right back to the number one job when he's done coaching. 
Uh, so a few things to keep an eye on there. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Sports Media Watch podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed this different version of it. The podcast returns next week. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.